Hello, future fans. Welcome to another week and another episode of Future Flicks with Billiam. This week we have two movies with all-star casts, and one of them misses the mark. We have The Purge in an office, and I have an apology. It's the week of March 17th, and this is episode 34 of Future Flicks. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. This is Future Flicks, like I said, and also, like I said, I am your host. My name is Billiam. Let me give you a little information on what I do in case you're new, and if you're new, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. On Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, also known as the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and any podcast listening app, as well as a Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me at Twitter at BilliamSWN, email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com, and look at my pretty pictures of my cat and the beautiful California scenery, as well as some, you know, nerdy stuff too, on Instagram at BilliamSWN there as well. So let's move on to our first segment, which as always is the news. Gizmodo reported that Edward James Olmos himself will be returning to the Blade Runner sequel. Will this movie be any good, or will it be too late? According to Slash Film, Ridley Scott has a plan on how to bring Russell Crowe back from the dead in Gladiator. He, of course, played Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, and loyal servant to the true Emperor Marcus Aurelius. If you've never seen that movie, then stop listening right now and watch that movie. There are no official plans for a Gladiator sequel because Ridley Scott says that both he and Crow are too busy, but he would love to talk to Crow about doing a second movie. Two of the indie movies from last week ruled the indie box office, the oddly named Personal Shopper and the Diarrhea for the Eyes Raw. The movies made 92000 and 25000 respectively. How is that impressive, you may ask? Well, Raw made 25000 on just two screens over the weekend, and Personal Shopper made 92000 off just four screens. That's not bad for a seriously limited release. See, folks, when I say limited release, sometimes I really do mean limited. Kong Skull Island had a $61 million opening weekend. Logan came in second this weekend, while Get Out is still on the list. Lego Batman is the highest grossing movie of 2017 so far with $159.1 million. And Logan is hot on its heels with 152.7. And Get Out is doing very well in third place at $111.1 million. Let's talk about Get Out for a little longer. Apparently, the star Daniel Kaluuya had some choice words for Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson had made comments about Kaluuya's casting in the movie because Kaluuya is from London and won't know how black people in America feel. The young star rebutted, saying that black people in the UK have to deal with racism and segregation as well, or had to, at least the segregation part, and talked about the struggle of being black in the black world, that he even gets judged by other black people. 
It's on to some happier news, maybe. Daddy's Home, the Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell movie, is getting a sequel. This time around, John Cena and Mel Gibson are joining the cast. I can't find any pictures of John Cena on the set, if they took any, that is. If they did, I just can't see him. His time must be now. The author of one of my mother's favorite movies died on March 10th. Author Robert James Waller, who wrote Bridges of Madison County, was 77. The book was turned into a movie starring Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood, a very good movie, I should add. So if you have not seen it, maybe you should check it out. And that book alone, and you know, following movie, made Mr. Waller a multi-millionaire. See, I just need to finish my first book and get some celebrities to star in it. Then I'm set. All right, folks, normally this is when I would get into the first movie of the week, but instead I have a new segment I would like to attempt. I would like to make it weekly, but I have to be honest with myself, this is going to be whenever I can remember it. I also haven't named it yet, so for now I'll just say this segment is about new trailers. Some new trailers dropped since the last episode, and here are the biggest ones to check out. The Atomic Blonde Red Band trailer hit the tubes of you. This is the new Charlize Theron movie that looks like a cross between Salt and Kingsman. Check that one out. Also new is the Baby Driver trailer, directed and written by Cornetto Trilogy's Edgar Wright. This stars people like Kevin Spacey, Jamie Foxx, and John Hamm. This kind of looks like if Collide met Driver. The Wonder Woman origin trailer hit the scene and oh my god, I have the biggest nerd boner ever. There are rumors floating around about this movie already, saying that it's a mess and going to be terrible, but either the rumors are wrong or DC hired Trailer Guy again to make this look great. The third trailer for Despicable Me 3 came out, and this one makes it look better than the first two did. The first two trailers banked on the fact that people like the series, but this time it actually looks good, so check that one out. And finally, the second trailer for The Lost City of Z came out. This is the movie starring Charlie Hunnam, directed by James Gray. This is the movie about Colonel Percival Fawcett, who disappeared in 1925 while searching for a lost city in the Amazon. I'd warn you about spoilers, but this happened in 1925, so if you were spoiled, go cry about it to someone else. You may be wondering why I gave such brief anything about these trailers. I, I really didn't say much at all, just besides that, hey, this came out. And that's because if I went any further into it, it would just be another episode of Future Flicks right there. And it'd be Super Future Flicks. From the distant future comes Super Future Flicks. No, I can't do that. Um, so that's why I just said that, hey, a trailer came out. So these are trailers that looked really interesting. I'll also mention ones that came out that look really bad to warn you about it. But that's basically what the segment is. So it's, it's hopefully going to stay short. But let's jump right into the movies this week. We have eight movies, so the first of which is called The Belco Experiment. Eighty American people work in Belco's corporate office in Columbia, and one day they're locked in the high-rise, and a mysterious voice comes over the intercom and tells them that if they don't kill a certain number of their co-workers, double that amount will die. This stars John Gallagher Jr. from The Newsroom, Tony Goldwyn from Scandal, Adria Arjona from True Detective, John C. McGinley from Scrubs, Owain Yeoman from Turn, Washington Spies, Melanie Diaz from Fruitvale Station, Sean Gunn from Gilmore Girls, 
and Michael Rooker from Walking Dead. This movie stars a lot of people you and I like, but maybe have never seen in the lead role. I'm most excited for Owen Yeoman. Uh, he's been a TV regular since Kitchen Confidential back in 2005 and was in one of my favorite crime dramas, The Mentalist. John C. McGinley, of course, will always be known as Dr. Cox. Michael Rooker was also in Guardians of the Galaxy and will be in the sequel along with Sean Gunn. So this movie has quite a few really good people in it, but just none of those really big names that you see up in lights, even though any of these people are worth it. They are worth having their name in lights. This film has a very familiar plot, but thanks to someone, be it the writing of James Gunn, or the vision of director Greg McLean, who did Wolf Creek, somewhere along the lines, it was saved from being a rehashed and tired story, and it looks like an interesting movie. It's almost like James Gunn saw the college humor videos about having a purge in the office and decided to run with it. This could have easily been a dark comedy as well, but Gunn and McLean took the dark thriller route. <laughs> that sounds like a buddy cop duo, doesn't it? Gunn and McLean. Watch as they McLean up the city, guns in hand. Uh, this movie is uh, going to feel isolated. Just watch the trailer and notice that the building they're in is in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like they can just open a window and let a passerby know that they're in trouble. Like, hey, what trapped up here? Can you call someone to let us out? No, they, they can't do that because uh, it's 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 in the middle of the desert or desert or you know, jungle or whatever, whatever Columbia has jungles. But now, this area looks a little barren, but enough about my geographical impotence, let's get on with this. They're also in a foreign country with no one around them in a building in the middle of nowhere. They also have bombs in their head, so good luck to all of them to, to survive this. I want to see the movie, but we also have two other fantastic looking movies coming out this week, so I'm going to see this, but later. And I'll be honest, I'll probably just buy it when it comes out so my fiancé and I can watch it together. Spending 20-something dollars on a new release Blu-ray and then 10 bucks on some food is a much better deal than a movie ticket and theater snacks, especially when the movie doesn't have anything that needs a theater watch, that doesn't have that amazing CG, those flashy visuals. It doesn't have the, the music or something that needs that gigantic room you sit in with all those people and watching it up on the big screen to get that full effect. It doesn't look like this movie has it. This movie will be just as good on the small screen, and I think that's where you should watch it. Let me wrap this up by saying that the Belco experiment looks good, like I've said. It's going to be entertaining and tense, and I have a feeling that it's going to end poorly for everyone. Probably coming down to a single person. Either way, it's worth a watch. The timing, though, is up to you. I have a feeling that both John C. McGinley and Owen Yeoman are going to die terrible deaths in this because they are going to be my two favorites, and I kill characters it is that's my thing if i love a character in a movie it, it increases the chances of that character dying i'm still not entirely certain that i am not to blame for our favorite leaf on the wind wash was my favorite let's let's be honest wash was the best but on to the bill score for the bilco experiment the bilco experiment gets an eight out of eleven next up is a movie called france a widow grieves for her dead fiancé, but one day she notices a man visiting her fiancé's grave, and the two find they have more in common than just the fiancé. How many times can I say fiancé during this podcast? Stay tuned for more. This is a black and white French film, and I know you're waiting for me to begin all over it, 
but I don't blindly hate French films. I just hate movies that look terrible. And like I've said before, when it comes to foreign movies, there are two types of movies that make it to our shores. Those super indie film festival bait movies that just look awful and the ones that are actually good. No, no, I rescind that. There's one more. The ridiculous ones. The ridiculous ones make it over here too. So three types. If you want to watch this movie, it's because you are in the mood to watch a new black and white drama that looks slower than a snail crossing the salt flats. It seems like if you watch this, you'll watch a really good drama with some good acting in it. But nothing about this excites me. I don't mean that it doesn't have any action, because being an exciting movie doesn't imply that's going to have action. You can have excitement and interest without explosions. I'm just saying that this looks slow, and at times, probably quite a few times, boring. You can have movies with fantastic performances and movies that are fantastic overall with big chunks of it that are not, well, not big, mind you, not too big, but parts of it that are boring. One of my favorite movies of all time is Citizen Kane, and I have watched that movie so many times, but still, there's certain parts of the, one of my favorite films I'll sit there and I'll just start drooling on myself going, oh my god, when is this gonna end? This looks like it could be one of those movies. Of course, not as good as Citizen Kane, because that is a cinematic masterpiece, but one of those movies that you'll sit there enjoying it, going, oh, this is a good performance. I like this story. It is compelling. My God, will they just get on with this scene? So I think it's obvious that I don't think that this is a movie that you should watch in theaters. If this interests you at all, check it out on streaming. I'm not even sure if it's worth a buy. Franz comes out on the 15th, or came out on the 15th, because I don't think I'm going to make a Wednesday release for this. I'm sorry. And it gets a 5 out of 11. There we go. Next up, we have the second foreign movie coming out this week, but this one looks a lot better. That movie is called After the Storm. A former writer tries to work enough to get child support money as well as reconnect with his son and ex-wife. After the passing of his father, he redoubles his efforts, knowing he can become the man he was meant to be. This is a film from Japan that looks fantastic. If you think I'm being biased because I'm part Japanese, just watch a trailer and hopefully you'll see what I saw. This looks like a slice-of-life drama with a touch of comedy in it that will have you laughing one moment and then have a very touching scene the next. I admit, I am not well-versed in non-horror, non-anime-related Japanese movies. Kurosawa and big ones like Shall We Dance aside, I haven't seen that many. But this looks like a great place to jump in. I just talked about France and how boring it can look, but this one looks just as dramatic, but was presented so it didn't look boring. Movies like this have realistic dialogue that moves at the speed of life. Artsy movies like France take advantage of silence and use it to their advantage, or, or at least they try to, and also they just have a different style about them. Dramas can suffer for many different reasons, but one of the most overlooked ones is that the speed at which everything is presented. I said that after the storm moves at the speed of life, and France doesn't. It tends to be more purposefully dramatic, with look at us, we are making this artsy film, we are making a drama, while this one is just telling a story. The biggest obstacle for this movie, when it comes to getting American audiences to watch it, is that there's a whole group of lazy people out there who hate subtitles. Sure, there are cases where it's not just laziness, bad vision and stuff like that can make subtitles torture to someone. But for the rest of you, suck it up and watch something with subtitles. 
After the Storm looks like an honest movie with a relatable plot and familiar characters that's going to tell a modern story of finding yourself. This film looks great and is worth a watch, but good luck finding in theaters. This is best saved to be watched at home. After the Storm gets a 9 out of 11. Alright my friends, we have one movie left before the break, and that movie is Song to Song. Two musicians fall in love and a music producer convinces them to start making an album together. As their music career is set into motion, a love triangle starts to grow, threatening to tear everything apart. This stars Ryan Gosling from La La Land, Natalie Portman from Jackie, Michael Fassbender from Steve Jobs, Rooney Mara from The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Kate Blanchett from The Monuments Men, Val Kilmer from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Holly Hunter from Batman v Superman, and the musician Iggy Pop. For having such a huge cast, this movie doesn't look very good. This looks like a classic case of a movie being given a fantastic cast, but not knowing what to do with them. Of course, since I base everything off the trailers, this could be a fantastic movie, but the trailer just looks like sh some of the best actors of our time are in this movie, and it looks like writer-director Terrence Malick did something wrong. Or either he did something wrong, or the producers did. Somewhere along the lines, something wrong was done by someone, and now we have this movie that looks boring and dumb. This is the director's third movie with a huge cast, the first one being The Thin Red Line from 1998, and the next was The Tree of Life from 2011. And now this. The other two movies got a nice amount of nominations for all kinds of awards shows, so maybe there's something to this guy. Of course, what the awards crowd likes and what people like, like real people like, aren't always the same thing. Song to Song has potential to be really good, but the trailer does little to get me interested. It feels more like a side project that all of these actors did because they were in between jobs at the time and this had a, shoot, a short shooting schedule that they could fit in. I want to see this just to see if this is a case of a bad trailer or if it's really going to be a boring movie. We're supposed to believe from this trailer that this is a an amazing romance between these two characters that has this other person step in and go, oh, hey, I like you too. Let's f*** things up. But it doesn't. This doesn't look interesting at all. I don't care about that story. I don't care enough about it to see it, but I will make myself see it eventually just to see... Like I said, if this was a case of a poor trailer, maybe they needed to hire Trailer Guy. Wanting to see it or not, this still doesn't look very interesting, so I have to give Song to Song a score of 4 out of 11. Well, friends, this is going to be a longer episode because I have talked a lot so far. Well, let's take our first and only break and listen to a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, folks. All right. We are back. Welcome back to the show. 
While I was taking a break, I actually looked at my SoundCloud stats, which according to Snarf Chris, is, isn't that great of a thing to do because it's not the most reliable, but I'm a glutton for punishment, so I thought I'd look anyway. And it's still, it looks like my most played track is still episode one of Future Flicks. And really, I mean, I thank you. Thank you all. Thank you everyone for listening to that. But I, I, I don't think that's the best place to start just because this is a really time sensitive topical show. And also, I kind of sucked back then. I believe I am much better now. I believe I'm more comfortable. I'm funnier. My voice is silky smooth. The silky smooth sounds of Billiam. But at least I'm getting listeners, right? At least you. At least I have you guys. Thank you very much to all my listeners. I really appreciate it. I'm still not sure if it's kosher to call out certain people who you know listen to the show. But I just want to say thanks to all of the my my loyal listeners. I have to thank say thanks to all the new listeners and the people I know I can call out are the people I work with on Somewhat Nerdy as well as the people at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. So thank you, Ken, for listening earlier this week. I emailed you my response to the Watch Your Mouth zombie game. I hope you like it. And through my response, could you tell I've been going through older episodes and listening? I, I went back to the beginning of Watch Your Mouth. I've been listening to all of them. But back to this show, my friends. Back to Future Flicks with Billiam. Back to the movies. That's right. Let's jump right back into it with a documentary. <sighs> oh, God, I fell asleep. I'm sorry. That was that was not choreographed and planned at all. That was an honest yawn. No, no, it wasn't. I, that, that's why I didn't pursue acting, just because uh, I wasn't that good. I was good as far as high school drama went. And even then, I kind of sucked. Um, but let's start with a documentary called Betting on Zero. This is a documentary about Bill Ackman, a, quote, hedge fund titan who put a billion dollars on the line to help prove the company Herbalife is a dangerous pyramid scheme. I have a love-hate relationship with documentaries. Most of them bore me, but once in a while, one will come around that is about a topic that interests me or was really well made. Those I love. All the others I hate. Or not hate, per se. Okay, I'm sorry. Hate is a really strong word. I should say all the others don't matter to me. This movie... This movie falls into a gray area I didn't realize existed in my black and white world of documentaries. The trailer looked good, but I had to ask myself how much do I really care about Bill Ackman and his crusade against Herbalife? I don't. You know what piqued my interest? The well-put-together trailer. I think Trailer Guy did a documentary trailer because this one had me riveted. This is going to sound way more dramatic than it really is, but I needed some time to cool down after watching the trailer to collect my thoughts. Trust me, the trailer isn't that great, so don't don't go rushing to watch it. Of course, watch it if you want, but it just looked interesting, and for a while, I thought it might be something I would want to watch. The trailer had a lot of flashy pictures, some intense music, it dealt with a touchy topic, you know, people being scammed by mega corporations. It had everything it needed to pull me in, so it did pull me in. The fact of the matter is that it didn't have enough to keep me interested. After the buzz of an interesting looking trailer wore off, there was nothing left. I don't care. Like I said about last week's Uncertain, this would have been better as an episode of Dateline or 60 Minutes, not a feature length documentary. If you're interested at all, watch a trailer and you will see this Bill Ackman guy try to explain to us why Herbalife is a pyramid scheme and show us people who have been hurt by it and show how this company fights back and how someone, some random rich dude gives Herbalife like a billion dollars or a million, a hundred million or something, some outrageous amount of money just to screw over Bill Ackman because apparently he's some 
who goes around doing like this. So it does have promise to be interesting. Promise isn't enough to get me in that seat. Betting on zero gets a five out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a movie called Mean Dreams. A teenage girl meets a boy and they fall for each other. The problem is she comes from an abusive household. One day, the boy follows her father and finds out he's a dirty cop and takes a duffel bag full of money from him and tries to escape with the daughter. The dirty cop and all of his friends go looking for the two kids on the run. This stars the late Bill Paxton in what could be one of his creepiest roles ever. And if you don't know who Bill Paxton is, maybe you should take a quick moment to reevaluate your life. So you can pause now if you need to do that. This also stars Sophie Nellis from The Book Thief and Josh Wiggins from Max. This looks really good and really intense. I mentioned how the Bilko experiment looked like it would feel claustrophobic and isolated, but this one has that sense too, except these kids aren't in a high rise. They are in the open woods trying to escape from some backwater town in the south and they have to run from a bunch of good old boys who know how to find people in these woods you're in the woods you're in nature and yet you can't escape unless you're a monster you'll be rooting for the kids the whole time and the trouble is that i don't think this is the kind of movie that will have a guaranteed happy ending it could still have one or happy-ish, as happy as a movie like this could be. But you know those movies. You know those movies when you see them. Those ones where everything's going to be okay. Can they overcome all these obstacles in this movie to win the day? Of course they can. But will they is the question. This movie looks like it's one of those special cases where it could end badly. These main characters don't have plot armor like some characters in other movies do. As wild as the plot seems, this is still going to be grounded in reality to just increase the intensity. You can't escape into your mind and tell yourself that this is obviously fiction. It could never, ever happen. Thus, it's okay. Bill Paxton was a true gem because he could play widely different roles. Do yourself a favor and watch Twister and then watch True Lies and then watch Edge of Tomorrow and you'll see someone different in each and every movie. This is going to be tense and enjoyable and best enjoyed from the comfort of your own home. Watch this and it'll be good, but just don't watch it in theaters. If you can even find it in theaters. Mean Dreams gets an 8 out of 11. Alright folks, we have two picks this week and we are right now pre-editing running at the 30 minute mark. So let, let's get going. Two picks this week and I will tell you why just because one of them banks on you having seen the previous movie. So that first pick of the week is also the one that is going to require an apology. I talked about this back in February and every single one of my internet sources said that this had a release date in February, but it's only getting released now. This had a release date of, the, of January 22nd in the UK and Ireland. Since its release in back then, every other country instead of America got it, and now it's hitting our shores. I don't know if it really had that February release date and it was pushed forward, so maybe I wasn't wrong, or maybe I just misread my sources. I don't know. But here I go again talking about this movie. And if it's, if this sounds familiar, I listened to the episode and wrote down what I said. So it's basically going to be the same thing because I am a lazy asshole. The first pick of the week is T2, Train Spotting. Renton returns to his former home and everyone is waiting for him. How will his homecoming go and can he survive without returning to his old ways? This stars Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, Ewan Bremer, 
from Snatch, Robert Carlyle from Once Upon a Time, and Johnny Lee Miller from Hackers. So I had this friend whose father never really gave him the don't do drugs talk. Instead, he sat him down in front of a TV and put on the movie Train Spotting, and that's all he needed to see. So I'm guessing that this might be that movie for the next generation. The good thing about this is you know if this is something you're going to see. Because if this is going to be the movie you see this week, it implies that A, you've seen the first one, and B, you liked the first one. If you just like the looks of this movie and want to see it and you haven't seen the first one, then don't. You won't know who any of the people are. You won't know their struggles. Train Spotting was a good movie, but it was also dark with gritty realism. Sure, it still had a fantastic Hollywood elements to it, but it was brutal and best of all, or even worst of all, depending on how you view it, it was plausible. When you're so immersed in the world of drugs and that seedy underbelly like Renton was, it's really hard to get out. So this man got out. He escaped and now he's coming back to visit his friends. Is that a good idea? They have that saying, once an addict, always an addict. So what's it going to be like for him? The first one was based off a book, as is this one. The first movie was based off a book called, are you ready for the name? Train Spotting. But this one is based on a book called Porno. Back when I originally talked about this movie, I had to be really careful when Googling the information for the book. Oddly enough, porno is a very popular word on the internet. Who knew these things? This is going to be a good movie. This is going to be a good movie, but I don't think that it's going to see a lot of love in theaters. The people who are going to see this are going to be fans of the first, assuming that they even know this is coming out. People like my parents and their friends and even some of my co-workers at work hardly know about any of the movies coming out. But of course, my friends, that's why you listen to Future Flicks with your good friend Billiam, isn't it? So you can know about these movies. So now you know. T2, Train Spotting is coming out and it looks good. But let me finish this up and say that this movie is going to be good, but you already know if you're going to see this or not. T2, Train Spotting gets an 8 out of 11. And with that, it's my pick. And my friends, do you know what that pick is? I'd just be interesting. It'd just be interesting to know if you knew if this movie was coming out this week or not. That movie is Beauty and the Beast. And I'm not going to give you a synopsis because you know this story. It's a tale as old as time. This rendition stars Emma Watson from This Is the End, Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey, Luke Evans from Dracula Untold, Josh Gad from The Wedding Ringer, Kevin Klein from Dave, Ewan McGregor from Train Spotting. Yep, this is Ewan McGregor's second movie this week. Sir Ian McKellen from X-Men Days of Future Past and Emma Thompson from Nanny McPhee. I know I asked you if you knew this movie was coming out, but we all knew it was coming out. The question is when? Did you know this was this week? Because I had to be reminded, me of all people, who spends at least an hour or two every day looking into movie news, this was news to me. The odd thing is this movie has been shoved down our throats for the better part of a year, but... I haven't seen a lot of about it recently, but I'm also going to be honest with you. I was ready to take a shit all over this movie. The teaser trailer, as well as the first full trailer, didn't look very good at all. Disney was playing it too close to the vest. For a while, it felt like they were just high off their success off Cinderella and went in for the next big one, but didn't try to put any effort into it. But it turns out they were just banking on the fame of the animated movie and hoping that's all they needed. Thankfully, they released some better looking trailers that made this movie look worth it. 
This was directed by Bill Condon, who directed the last two Twilight movies as well as Dreamgirls. You all know how I feel about Twilight, but Dreamgirls was a mediocre mess that should have been a lot better. So let's hope that he has since learned his lesson and won't screw this up like he did the 2006 movie that gave Jennifer Hudson her undeserved Oscar. There has been a lot of controversy about this movie because Josh Gad's character is gay. First off, if you're against this movie or won't take your kids to see it just because it has a gay character without knowing anything about that gay character's part in the movie, then you are human garbage and please go take a long walk off a short cliff. But to the writers and people at Disney, why make him gay at all? I see two different sides of this. First off is a side that says that this was done for nothing other than a social statement that has no place in a movie. The sexual orientation doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that they put it in a pre-existing story that didn't already have it in it. That is what matters, is the fact that they purposely put this in there to make a statement. But here's the other side of that argument. The other side is that, so he's gay, who cares? Social commentary or not, it's just a gay character, and it should be at least understood, if not supported, because it helps show that we can have a gay character whose identity and background doesn't solely revolve around him being gay. Just like Andre Brower's character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, his character is gay, and it almost never comes up. We should be able to have characters who are any race, or sexual orientation, or what have you, without their character being focused on for that. Just like Sulu in the last Star Trek movie was gay. They just had one scene. That's it. One scene showing his husband. And then the rest of it was just a regular movie. I like that. Not everything has to have this huge message behind it. You can just be. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But let's get back to the movie. The latest trailers for this make it look like it's an entertaining film that's going to be well worth a watch. I love old Disney movies. I love musicals. I love the actors in this. So this has all signs pointing to it being good. The visuals look impressive with pretty CG. It looks like all of our favorite scenes are still there, and our, as well as our favorite songs. And this is a retelling of a much beloved movie, but this time it's with a mix of real people and CG. We'll be able to see more emotion and more compelling performances than the animated classic ever could. This is going to be, at the very least, enjoyable. Will it actually be good? Time will tell. But which movie will you see? Let me know in the comments. But as for now, Beauty and the Beast gets an 8 out of 11. Alright folks, that's it. Wow. I, I, as of now, as of recording this, no editing, we're at the 40 minute mark. So this, this is going to be, this is a long episode. So thank you very much for staying with me. I, I haven't done a lot of movie reviews lately. and my, my fiance and I have been on a kind of a, what would you call it, a staycation where you just kind of stay at home. It was a nice break, but now I think I'm going to try and bang out another podcast where I just talk about every movie I've seen these past few months and just just throw it all out there at once. So please stay tuned for that. Looking at the time now, I am not going to get this up by Wednesday, so I apologize for that as well. So let's end this so you can go on and listen to your other favorite podcasts, which I assume are the podcasts I will be talking about shortly. So let's get to the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and any podcast listening app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you took a few minutes out of your day to give me a rating, or the podcast at least, a rating. I'd love five stars, or give me a like if that's what the platform you're listening to me on allows. 
I'd appreciate if you share the podcast, spread the word. Future Flicks is a thing. I am speaking to a microphone for your ear holes listening pleasure. Leave me a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. How do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. That's B-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-W-N. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? So am I, BilliamSWN there as well. I'm on Tumblr, BilliamSWN there. There's not much there now, but there should be more coming soon. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, and check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, my personal swearity of choice. I don't listen to any other swearity but the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. That is a FutureFlex promise. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news, and finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.